an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. All right, today in the podcast, I have Kedma O, and she is a real-life superhero. She wears a cape and all. She has made it through one of the darkest nights I've ever heard of. Actually, it was a dark decade. She has made a promise to give back to the world, and she does it in the most amazing way, helping small businesses to find funding, helping inventors find the funding they need. She brings relief to so many people who have these amazing ideas, have these small businesses that are struggling. She really helps to give them a life raft and become successful. She has been recognized by Inc. Magazine. She has gotten the Small Business Association Champion Award and working currently with Kevin Harrington, who was once on Shark Tank, who now helps inventors find funding so they can get their products to market. Kedma is an amazing individual who has been through so much and is really passionate about what she does. So I can't wait to introduce her to you. You can find out more about Kedma at her website called KedmaO.com. She also has a book called Target Funding. But for now, here is Kedma O. Let's get started. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Kedma O, and I'm so excited to talk to her. She is so passionate about what she does <laughs> and is excellent at what she does, which is even better. So a lot of us are struggling with money probably right now after COVID. COVID has been like this dark night of the soul where people are realizing what's important in life, where they want to go. Maybe they're transitioning from one job to the next or making a whole new career, or maybe inventing something. Kadma is an expert at finding funding for individuals who have maybe a business idea or an invention or something like that. However, she is also super resilient. So she has a story that goes along with this. And most people who are super passionate usually have yeah. some sort of dark night. So please tell us, first of all, welcome to the show, Kadma. Thank you for being here. Please tell us, why did you get so passionate about finance? I know you have an MBA, but mm -hmm. I do. I do. <laughs> also, you yeah, wear capes, which is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, He's right. Wearing... My capes are behind me. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so, and she has a scarf that says Wonder Woman on it. I do. So anybody who follows me or, or knows anything about me will know that I wear my capes as my uniform. Actually, if anybody calls me out and says, I like your costume, I say, this is not Halloween and it's not October. <laughs> <laughs> That's my uniform. And I'm really serious about it. And I think how I came out to be a superhero really plays into my life. I, I really believe I've lived out a superhero life. For the most part, superheroes have gone through a lot of struggle, right? And mm -hmm. I may be listening to a story and that person may not realize that they are a superhero. It could be a nurse. It could be a single mom raising three kids. It could be someone who's challenged with a disability or someone who's transgender and is just coming out. Like, we don't realize the power we have. We think it's someone else, right? So I want to make sure we honor that. When you said dark night of the soul, 
I think dark decade. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Decade of the soul. And I've been sharing my story probably a good 30 years. And I have to be honest, every time I share it, Amy, it's always hard Mm. because what people don't realize, no matter how solid you are, is you're, you're literally asking permission for someone to revisit a very hard, painful, vulnerable place. And they have to feel safe to -hmm. do that. Yeah. So in that context, I would say that whoever's listening to that, I am asking for that space to be created and to realize that when you share your story, you're sharing it in the hopes that other people can resonate and walk Mm -hmm. away and realize that maybe they can do something different or maybe they're not alone. Mm, that's, that's really why important. we do it. <laughs> that's how we do it. I'm one of three girls. I like to say, cause I do a lot in imagery. I like to say that if we were looking at a film and we have drama and we have romance, I was born into a horror film. Oh, and geez. unfortunately you can't get out of a horror film unless you are checked out or you find a way to hopefully save yourself from the horror. And so as young as six or seven, I lived in an environment where I knew that something was not right. And I would do what most kids do, right? I would be praying to God, like, God, come and save us or God, please do something. And then I would change it to like Prince. And then I would change it to a princess. And I think that I realized after several years that nobody was really coming. And so I reverse that conversation. And I would do what, again, most people would do is I would say, can you take me away? Can you let me go? Can I check out of this world? And what I realized was I wasn't getting either of that. So I just lived in this bubble where I Mm. couldn't escape, but I couldn't process. That continued on till the age of 18. I entered into a community college and that's where my life changed forever. I want to bring the audience to what happened. I was in New York. I was attending an evening class. It was winter time. And I received a 911 page from my therapist, Judy, who, by the way, never pages me. And I remember the moment as if it was yesterday, I literally see the page. I pick up my books. I run out of the college into this freezing, dark kind of environment. And I go to a payphone. So if anybody here does not know what a payphone is, that's how we used to call people. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) There was no cell phone. And I called, I I put the money in, I called her and and she said something, Amy, that I'll never forget. She said, Kevma, I don't know how he got my number, but he is on the way to the college right now. If he finds you, he's going to kill you. You need to get out of there immediately. I hang up the phone. I go back to the parking lot where my car is and I'm already too late, Amy. He's already there. Now it's only me and him. And he is pacing in his vehicle back and forth from lane to lane to try to find me. And I go into shock, literally terror. I literally, my body freezes up and it feels like like quicksand and I don't know what to do. And I remember a voice in my mind saying, you have to run, but I knew if I ran, he would find me. So here I am in this parking lot and I duck and I'm crawling from car to car to car just to get to my vehicle. I finally get to my vehicle. I open the car door very quietly. I take my books. I retrace my steps and I go back to the payphone to call the person I was seeing for help. And that night I become homeless. I cannot go back to the home environment. And so here's what happened. 
a group of friends literally over the course of a weekend found me my first safe haven. It was a basement apartment. You had to go down 15 stairs infested with cockroaches. And I would live in that environment for five years. Oh my God. Five years. The second thing they did was they got me my first job. And when I interviewed with this woman, Patricia, it was at a hospital. I told her the situation. She said, we know you're in hiding, but we're going to give you a chance. And I ended up working there for five years. And then the last thing, so the audience knows the reality, is I decided to write a letter back to the college where it happened. And I pleaded my case because I'd lost everything like that. And two weeks later, Amy, they asked me to come in and meet with their financial committee literally 15 strangers who had just read my life story. And I said, I've lost everything, my home, my family, my environment, my, my identity. And they said, well, we've never had something this heinous and we need to deliberate. They asked me to go to the secretary's office while they deliberated. And there I asked for a piece of paper and pen. And I wrote a letter to God, wow. the same God that had never shown up day after day, after year, after year. And this is what I wrote. This will tell you who I am. I said, God, you have now taken everything away from me. I have nothing left, which is the truth. However, if you could grant me an opportunity to learn, to get educated, to become something, then I will use my knowledge and education for the rest of my life to open doors to every single person I meet. I have chills. And that's it. Two hours later, I get summoned back in. This woman said, Kedma, please stand up. She said, may I come over and shake your hand and tell you we're going to give you a full scholarship to this Oh my gosh. Wow. That moment happened 30 years ago. And I have been meeting that contract every single day for 30 years. Two months ago, my villain died. Oh, wow. It was the first time in 30 years that I didn't have night terrors. Wow. So when you talk about dark night of the soul, that is real. I am dark night of the decade. Wow. And what I've learned is, is that every time I share my story, people perceived it just because I'm successful now that it was given to me. Nothing was given to me. And my only hope was believing that I was given this opportunity so I could be a voice to other people who may be struggling. That's why I wear the cape. Y'all, she's helped over 10,000 people <laughs> get funding. Yes. So she's no joke. She's, she really has. That's why I do it. Yeah. Right. She really has helped a lot of people. So I know this is intense, but the good news yeah. is I'm married now. I have three boys. You know, does it take away from from the dark? No, of course it doesn't. You know what I mean? It, it's, mm-hmm. it's who you. It's branded. It's my DNA. It's who I am. But I am always humble, and I I never forget where I came from. So when I'm working with someone who's struggling, I will say, I get where you're from right now. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and not only that, you had to file bankruptcy. At some yeah, point. that was, yes, exactly. That was <laughs> yeah. years later because what I like to say is sometimes we repeat our lesson. And so that situation happened because I married, I was in a relationship with someone that was not healthy mm. and the price I had to pay is I had to file bankruptcy. Yeah. So back in 2001, I'm back to losing everything and realizing it. But again, blessing in disguise it was that moment that actually 
moved me into really studying how we find money, how we find grants, how we find opportunity. And that's how I went on a journey 15 years to find financing reverse engineered. It helped over 10,000, literally 10,000 companies. But I would never, ever have gotten there, Amy, had the universe not put me in that predicament. I mean, I wish I had sometimes other people's lives where they get like a gift and they don't have to go through hell and back, but I don't have that opportunity. Yeah. It's like, I'm not sure I know like, those people. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to just like, you know, actually, to be honest, my husband's that, that way. When I asked my husband, you know, what are the, what issues have you had when you were growing up? He's like, oh my, my dad had knee surgery. When, when I was eight. <laughs> like, okay. Cause it was very upsetting for me. I said, I, it's upsetting for me. <laughs> um, yeah. My wife is very similar. She right? had a really great childhood. And sometimes she's like, she, we joke that I was raised by wolves and even <laughs> I'm actually in my parents' house right now. Cause we just traveled across the country to visit everybody, do the celebrations and all mm. that. And I'm in the shower and I, my son comes knocking on the door. I'm like, God, even as an adult, I can't even shower by myself. Like, and I'm like, what could you possibly need? He's like, I just need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, fine. There's like four other bathrooms in this oh, house. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I grew up in chaos. Yeah. And so I know what you're talking about with, with you know, other yeah, having exactly. wonderful experiences and all that. So I don't fault them. I think ne my next life, if you believe in afterlife, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. putting in a request. <laughs> you probably earned the next one. <laughs> I would really like nice. Easy. You're going to be living on a beach or something. I, you know, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So. What should we do if we had, you know, let's say we have an amazing yeah. idea or we want to start a business. What, what do you suggest to get funding? Because, you know, obviously money's not always easy to come by. So easy money, I would run away, right? So free money is hard work. I always tell my clients, free money is hard work. First of all, I would say step back and let's reevaluate what's going on. So if you are in an existing business right now and you felt the challenges of COVID, you may have to reinvent how you're doing business, mm. bottom line. That may not cost or require you to add more debt. I don't get excited, Amy, to give someone more debt. Like, right. I don't go at night saying, God, I'm so glad I gave Amy a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Like <laughs> I <laughs> don't know well, what I, <laughs> right. And, and sometimes it, there's good debt and bad debt. Good debt is obviously if you own a piece of property, right. Mm -hmm. You have a vehicle, bad debt is credit cards. First thing I would say is don't panic. Let's reevaluate. So many times we may not need more money. What we're spending our money on does not make sense. Right. So I, I always say first, evaluate that. Second thing is to realize that is it money you need or is it connections? Hmm. Every day of the week, I may choose connections over money because that one person is going to open doors that I don't have the keys to. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So instead of trying to go through all this, maybe it's a connection, maybe it's a partnership, maybe it's an advisor. Now, the third thing is, is if you need money, I would say, what are you needing it for? And what channel do you want to do? Because money every single day of the week is available, whether it's grants, it's ridiculous. I, I've heard you talk about these funding parties and it blows true. my mind. <laughs> it blows there, my it's mind. It's true. It's a funding party every day of the week, but you can't get greedy. Can't be like, oh, I gotta go for all of it. You won't get anything. <laughs> you know, you gotta be systematic. You have to say, okay, all right, I'm gonna go for this because I've studied the mission. I know what they're looking for. I've built that that focus area. Even for me, Kedma, 
when I was looking strategically after going after money, I wanted to go after something for commercial ownership. Because at the time, after I filed bankruptcy, I couldn't afford to get into my own commercial property. It's insane. The amount of credit you need, the collateral you need, you know this. Mm. But I was able to target a program that allowed women, minorities, and immigrants to have first-time commercial ownership. Wow. It didn't come out as a grant, Amy. Here's what it came out. They were going to subsidize. They weren't looking at credit. They weren't looking at collateral. But you had to prove that you were at least three years in business doing good work in the community. Well, man, I had that. (laughs) Right? You had to show that you were profitable. Well, I had that. Well, instead of typical one, why it's a subsidy is I was able to get in for 6%, not 20%, which is typical, but my mortgage is fixed at 0.04%, which is unheard of. Wow. 0.04. Yeah, I heard you. Okay, right? <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, less than half a percent. And, and I don't even use the office. You know what? I rent out the office to nonprofit organizations that are doing good work in the world. Hmm. So all of that comes back into the principle. So what I would say is let's be strategic. When I tell you that there's money all over, yes, but we have to know what you want the money for. Is it for jobs? There's jobs for job creation. Is it for inventors? There's opportunity for you to get funding anywhere from getting a patent filed and not paying $10,000 to looking at reduced costs for CAD drawings. Is it for property? Like what we get stuck on is when someone says, I just need money. And I tell them, but give me an order in order of priority, what you need the money for. And then we target it. I talk about targeting all the time. Why? Because money is found in targets, women, minority, LGBTQ community, veterans, people with disabilities. Then now my white Caucasian male says, what about us? Yeah, right. I can't help them sometimes. That's not my (laughs) job. Like I don't make up the rules. I just tell you where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reality is, is that. For every client I work with, Amy, it is a guarantee that I will find them money. Now they can push back and say, I don't want this money. That's not my problem. Wow. (laughs) Who says that? (laughs) Well, you know, people want things until they know what they have to do for it. Oh, Uh, I want that grant. Oh, you want me to put a business plan together? Oh, I have to do a slide deck. Oh, you mean I have to pitch? I said, I'm sorry. This is not the couch funding program. Right, right. You don't get to lay down. Yeah. How badly do you want it? Yeah. It does require hard work and prioritizing. What do do you need to do to make it happen? And you have to be in it to win it. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to apply. You have to be willing to do the hard work or you can pay someone to do it. (laughs) I don't care how it's done, but I'll take a case in point. My book took us three years, three years, Amy. And you know why it took us that long? But anyone who's ever done a book deal, because we did it with McGraw-Hill, typically takes less than a year to have a book released. It took three years because we were so diligent to make sure every single program we had, had a actual success story. And less than 5% of people get my book, actually take my ideas, take my secret sauce and implement. Less Less than than 5%? Less than five. Oh man. Why do you think that is? Well, I I mean, as a special education teacher and master's in education, I can tell you that kids want to know the answer. They don't want to find it. They don't want to have to do the work, you know, in their mind, you know? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is, Amy. They see the work. I lay it out. I give them all the answers and then they're like, it's too much work. Yeah. That's too bad. 
you walk the talk. I mean, you had a credit score of 420 and then you made it to 820. You have helped 10,000 businesses. Yeah. Yep. So now we do training because what I've realized is, is that people still need that hand holding. Yeah. I saw that course. I definitely, I talked to my wife. We're going to do it together. Yeah. I want to just be sensitive to, it is hard work, but we've sometimes in, especially in the U S we've been sold this idea that everything is quick, right? And it's not, sometimes it's not quick. Sometimes you have to build a system, a process to be successful. So I want to encourage people that the education is out there, but the execution is what really matters. Right, right. Your book is based on two decades worth of information, isn't that right? So anybody, (laughs) it would take a long time to gain that kind of experience. So picking up that book, you're already ahead of the game. To me, when I started learning about you, first of all, I met you and I was just like, she is so passionate about what she does. I love her story. I, (laughs) I have to have you on the podcast. All of us are looking for hacks. And I think that that is a hack. You know, a hack also has to be followed through with, like, even if it's for your energy or for your body, like you have to buy the supplement, you have to run or whatever it is to get your body in shape or working at a higher performance. So it is important to follow through and not everybody's ready to do that. Also fear of success is huge. So I I definitely recommend tapping on that as a side note. I don't, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, but I am trying to remember the year. Yeah. So it was 2008. I was $65,000 in debt and I had almost nothing to show for it. I I met my wife, which we weren't married at the time. Like we had just met and she was all into finances and things like that. And she said, why don't we sit down and look at what kind of debt you have? And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I'm trying to avoid the conversation. I'm like, it's all fine. Well, we sat down and it was 65,000 and it was such a hard pill to swallow Mm -hmm. because at that point I realized I'm a liability to other people if I want to get in a relationship. So that's when I, in two years, got rid of 65,000. $5,000 worth of debt. Yeah. (laughs) And are you familiar with uh, Dave Ramsey? Ramsey? Of course. Yeah. So I sent a video to him because I got rid of my fancy car. My brother-in-law gave me a car that was like really run down. It got beat up. Like somebody smacked it into a telephone pole. And I was, I pushed it to on my, on foot in Brooklyn to the local mechanic. (laughs) Yeah. And then he fixed it with $400. That's all I had. And then I used my credit cards to fix the bumper and I sent it to Dave Ramsey and I got on his show. So that's a little story about me and my little moment of fame. (laughs) But yeah, it was so, so freeing to get rid of that debt. Yeah. And honestly, I remember when I moved out of Brooklyn, I thought I got this huge truck. I thought I was going to fill the truck Yeah. when I pulled up and I (laughs) had gotten my brother to help me unload it. He's like, dude, where's all your stuff? And I'm like, yeah, for as much debt as I have, I should have a lot more shit. (laughs) I really (laughs) didn't. So that was when I realized, you know, you have to pay attention to where you're spending your money. Like you said, like it was on a fancy car. I was going to CVS and like buying candles and shit like that. I didn't really need. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I had nothing to show for it. Yeah. Except for a really great story at this point now. Let's honor it. It's a powerful story and it shows your resilience and it also shows your ability to make things happen when you thought, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. 
I was eating rice and beans. I was doing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I was having hey, there's nothing wrong with peanut butter and jelly. Okay. <laughs> I know, but every day <laughs> it was bad. Peanut butter and jelly every morning. I'm like a seven-year-old kid. Okay. Oh, I do love it. It is very comforting. It is so comforting. So if you ever want to make me happy, just set up peanut butter and jelly in the morning and we're good to go. But what you did was you reshifted your mindset on what's important. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wanted to be in a good relationship and I wanted to feel like we were coming in at similar levels. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you never know where the other person's coming from, but I didn't want to be a liability. And that was for sure. And I also was like, this is going to be like a noose around my neck if I try to go do anything with my life. So, or, you know, great lesson. Yeah. Great lesson. It was huge. And it was also very embarrassing. And, but I needed somebody to bring it home for me and be like, you got to deal with this. I am a huge proponent of living well below your means. Huge. Yeah. And people laugh at me, but if you ever see me in any of my pretty dresses, Amazon, and I can't spend more than 15 bucks. <laughs> so. Oh my God. So, so I funny. will. I, so my friends who know me be like, Hey, I like that 15 buck dress. I said, thank you so much because I need to own that dress. Okay. <laughs> if there's an, <laughs> that dress doesn't get to own me. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it's I so true. Right. I'm known for that. I'm known for secondhand stores. I mean, I, I tried to pitch to Goodwill for years. Choose me. I can be your model. Like, oh, this woman is out there. I said, no, I come here every week. All right. I know. So I definitely live way below my means. And the only thing that I do spend money on is experiences. Yes. I will pay money for experiences. But even then, my mom will say, Look, I know you want to go to Ireland, but why do you have to take four stops? I'm like, mom, it's the cheapest deal, but you're going to get there in 60 hours. I said, <laughs> I know, but it only cost me $2.99, mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There are certain things I draw the line at, you know, a changeover planes. I really try to No, avoid. I will go. I've been on That's planes funny. four times just so I wow. can save a dollar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're so. as I said, traveling across the country. Thankfully, like whenever I pick the campsites, I'm always like, it's worth it to get the full yes. up and all that, you know, yep. when we're doing yep. it. But we also have, uh, we do RV hosts, which I don't know if you're familiar with, or sorry, Harvest Host, which is uh, a great plan where you can just pull up to. Uh, I do hip camp. If you don't know about hip camp. No, I don't. Please, please check it out. Believe it or not, hip camp is camping on people's properties. It's incredible. Like literally incredible. You can book a hip camp. We just did one two weeks ago, we're on someone's 20 acre property. He has like four little sites. It's amazing. Wow. And yeah, so we're, we do all the booking through hip camp. I'm, I'm kind of like a glamping snob. Like my husband has to bring the queen bed, Yeah, but (laughs) I'm still there. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. I, we have a camper believe me, we got a little memory foam mattress for on top of stuff, even though it was, it was soft. Yeah. Harvest host is like, you stay at wineries, breweries, farms, and golf courses. I added that on for an extra 20 bucks or something for the year. Anyway, they should be, they they should be a sponsor of the podcast, right? Absolutely. (laughs) We're talking about money. So I hear what I'm curious is like, if you have this idea, what can we do in the next seven days? That's going to like change our path or our course of our, Oh, I love that. I love what you just said. Change our path or course. Number one, never be in a bubble. What you consider is a good idea may not be what other people consider a good idea. So make sure that you're writing it, but you're working with people that have sound knowledge. 
consultants are not created equal. I want to just say that. I mean, half the consultants I've made, I want to fire them, but I can't legally (laughs) (laughs) because they do a a disservice when they say, oh yeah, this is a great idea. They don't know what they're talking about. So they got to be honest. Like if it's a shitty idea. Yeah. They, it's a, and they got to stay in their lane. I tell my clients all the time, if you want to come and ask advice on baking, I'm the worst baker. Like my first cake I broiled, I am not going to counsel you on that. Right. (laughs) But I know where I can counsel. So first thing I would say is feasibility, feasibility, feasibility. If that's a new word to you, basically most people hear business plan. I would choose feasibility over business plan every single day of the week because feasibility proves that something is feasible. Business plan is just how we execute. So you have to first determine is what you're trying to do feasible? Now, if you come to me and say, it's a great idea, but I need $7 million. Hmm. I don't know if that's feasible. I'm an investor with two organizations, Pipeline Angels. I'd love for people to check it out. Women investing in women. Amazing. Well, and anyone who identifies as a woman, they're actually, you're, you're rated on that. So like how many women are in the organization? How many might identify as lesbians? How many may be like, it's incredible organization. And then the other one is TBD Angels, which is pretty much for everyone else that wants to work with us that doesn't identify. If you're looking at that, I would say, you know, what is feasible? The second thing I'm going to look at is what do you need to be successful? What is it that you need? Do you need 10 clients? Do you need a website? Do you need manufacturer? I want to know what you need and you need to know what you need in order of priority. And the way I determine need versus want is if you send me a laundry list and I take one of those items out, will you be able to still run your business? If the answer is no, then you need it. Mm -hmm. Right. The third thing I would say is test, test, test. People say to me all the time, what do you think, Kedma? It doesn't matter what I think. It does not matter what I think. It matters what your customers think. Right. I'll give you a quick example. I worked with a couple a few years ago that invested 100, 100. $100,000 in bringing their product to market and then came to me and said they didn't understand why nobody wanted their product. They thought it was the greatest product. They had done all the manufacturing. They had tested it and they loved it. Now I'm going to tell you what the product is and you're going to tell me what you think. Now you don't know this product right now, right? I have not coached you on this. No, no, no. Okay. Right. So let's just, this is the first time you're going to hear this, Amy. Right. You're going to be really honest. You may love this product and that's okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm ready. You mentioned you have kids. How many kids do you have? I have one. You have one. Okay. So you remember back then when, when your son, you, you had just had him and you had all, you probably had to deal with diapers. You had a diaper bag. Bring me back to that moment, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And for some of us who are women owned businesses, we also have other things, right? We have our laptop, we have our iPad, we have all that. Their genius idea was to create a laptop diaper bag that allowed you to change poopy diapers next to your laptop. So instead of having two different ones, your diaper bag and your laptop, you can now combine it. Oh, not me. (laughs) Why? Very two bags. (laughs) First of all, I mean, the chances of me changing a diaper and being on my laptop would have been very slim, but I have good boundaries, but yeah, that's gross. I I don't, I don't foresee. Yeah, no, I don't foresee that. And I love, I mean, I love my diaper bag. I love my laptop bag. I can't imagine having the diaper cream, the smell of the diaper, there's smells. Mm -mm. 
No, and your laptop is like two thousand dollars sitting next to my laptop, is or like whatever high-end. wipes, or whatever. Right. Yeah, right. you don't want that stuff leaking. And on what anything. if it gets on there? Yeah. Oh uh, no, no. I did though buy when he was little a backpack that was a diaper bag, but That's it, did, different. it was not. Yeah, yeah, it was not. And that was genius. That was by a guy in Boulder. Right. And we didn't even know that. We just thought, wow, that's awesome. Now I'm not attacking the inventor, but a simple thing could have been them doing a market study, which would they have been They could ask 10 of their friends. Yeah. And they would have gotten a good idea <laughs> about like- <laughs> Or that. they would have been told, hey, for a thousand dollars, it's not going to work. Go back to the drawing board. Right. And we have to think about that. If you get a no, it's not a bad thing. It just means you didn't spend a lot of money on something that's not going to work. I love inventing things. And I just kind of stopped as I got older because I was just like, well, what's the point of this? I can't make them. Because, but I didn't know about all the funding that was available. So yeah, maybe I will. Yeah. Everybody I ever talked to is an inventor at heart. All you have to do is walk around your home and look at what you would want to improve. Mm -hmm. My husband just told me that he got, I don't know how lazy this is, but he just got a robot that is on our way. Get, get this to cut the lawn. I'm like, what is so wait a second. That's one of the, it's like rumba, but like for outside, I've heard of that. I'm like Cameron. It's not good enough to be on the little car thing or whatever. <laughs> now you have to have the robot doing it. Oh my gosh. I wonder how it's going to come out. I guess I have no good. idea, but he's like an inventor himself. So he's like yeah. so excited. He's like, I know it is a little exciting when something like that is invented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I was sitting by the campfire and I was coming up with some things with one talking to my wife and I'm like, how come we don't have this available? Like I should just do this. And then I'm like, no, I got to stay focused. <laughs> yeah. I think you could stay focused, but it's also good to, to veer a little and have fun and, you know, see what's possible. Sometimes you have great ideas and you can't get through manufacturing. My son who's, I have autistic son, two out of three, my 16 year old is, is the most severe, but he's very high functioning. Came up with an idea years ago. I love, love, love but I couldn't get past the skew. So we were arguing for a good fair bit when he was younger because he would go and gravitate to candy. Mm. And me as a good mom, no, you need your vegetables. And he would go for candy. And I finally woke up one day at two in the morning and I called my sister and she's like, why are you calling me? I'm like, (laughs) I have an idea. She's like, it's two in the morning. I'm like, when do you think ideas happen? You think they happen at three in the afternoon? It's in the morning. <laughs> or when I'm showering. And then well, I don't have I'm any pen, pen and paper or anybody to tell. <laughs> so here is my idea. We developed Lolly Good. We worked with the Food Innovation Center. We came up with 10 different flavors, banana, pina colada, strawberry, all natural, infused protein wow. and probiotics hmm. into the lollipop. So now it became this nutritious, healthy variation of a candy in a way that allows the dissipation of nutrients to have a longer response as opposed to just eating a right you straight know, a sugar protein right bar. There. Yeah. Right. Because the lollipop, you're not gonna be like, you're gonna be like like licking it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Taking your time. We did all the analysis. The problem is is that that industry is heavy set on monopoly. Mm, and we I ended up only that. finding maybe one or two manufacturers that would even consider us because we were one skew. So I had to table it. And so I'm sharing this story to say, sometimes we have great ideas, but because we can't get through the commercialization has nothing to do with us. It's just how the industry is. Don't feel discouraged. Just put it to the side and work on another idea. Yeah. And I honestly, 
I, one thing I do know about a journey is that you'll be surprised about how that all helped you maybe propel yourself forward. Like the Mm -hmm. things that you learn. I always tell people, you know, we found out a hundred or a thousand ways of not healing from that. Now let's heal from it this way or whatever the the case is. So yeah, we always get information that's good and we need to use that when we move forward. Absolutely. And I'm also curious, Amy, because I, it's in the back of my mind, as you said it, you know, you as a healer, you as, as someone who really helps people break through, I'm reminded about how many people have access to my book, but they don't implement. If I came to you and said, listen, I'm going to give you $3,000. Can you guarantee me to be happy? Can you do your mojo? Actually, probably. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's all mindset. It's energy. The thing is, is you have to release the energy. And so when you release the energy, then you can do the reprogramming of the brain and then they see the world differently. It's called your reticular activating system. So it'll find things that are in alignment with this new reality that you have, which will then fuel your happiness. So actually people do hand over $3,000 and say, make me happy. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, okay, let's go to work as long as you're committed. (laughs) Yeah, no, but in reality though, it is up to that person then to maybe utilize the tools and the mindsets. And if they're going to go off and I don't know, they probably wouldn't do this, but feed their body terrible things and, you know, go hang out with their family for too long. Yeah. (laughs) All the things might come back. Right. right, right. Um, Who knows? It's possible that it could be reversed, but certainly uh, that is one thing that people find when Mm -hmm. they work. Well, it's just the energy has to go. Right. The trauma has to leave the body that way. And then then you you find it's the most amazing thing. You're like neutral to things that you you would and I think normally for do. a lot, a lot of people, money sometimes is trauma for them. You know, they may have a bad relationship. Absolutely. With money. And I think I want to encourage that you can have a wonderful relationship with money and you deserve it. Sometimes we look at other people, well, why do they have, well, you deserve it. Part of breakthrough in business is really accepting that you should get paid what you're worth. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing. A lot of times when I'm working with clients, their money problems is attributed to how they're running their business, me included. I've been in the same situation. And so I do want to encourage that it's not just external forces that can influence you. It may be an internal mindset to say, you know what? I am going to charge you what I think I'm worth because this is a business I'm running. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've talked about this a million times on the podcast, charging what you're worth is so important because we've put time and energy into our craft Mm -hmm. and no other person on the planet is going to say, well, uh, you can have that for free just because I want to give it to you for free or people think I should. Uh, and I also, I also charge a little bit more if they are drama clients. Oh, right. I say there's only three openings. (laughs) That's funny for, for drama clients. <laughs> that's funny. First of all, I do want to say you're working with Kevin Harrington. Is that how yes, you say his name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's on Shark Tank Yeah. and I, I'm sh- pretty sure I know which one he is. Is he the really handsome guy? He was on, no, he, well, they're all handsome because yeah, in my mind, but yes, he was on Shark Tank. He was the first few seasons. He was in the infomercial. He does a lot in the inventor world. He made a lot of his money through helping inventors, like a lot of inventors, really, really just knowledgeable in the space. And so, yeah, he spent the first seasons with Shark Tank and then he moved on. He does a lot in investing and enterprise, working with inventors. So yeah, we're hosting a fun class. I'll be leading it, helping inventors scale their ideas, looking at different concepts, getting them protected, ensuring bad ideas don't go forward. (laughs) 
Good idea. Yeah, good idea. Uh, my, that's um, so great. It is fun. I have to tell you one little thing. My mother, who I love, love to death. Her name is Lorraine. She's Irish. She's been a nurse for 50 years. About two years ago, she's like, I have this great idea. I'm like, what is it? She's like, it's it's just something for the nursing community and, and to help patients. And anyway, I said, mom, we're going to put you through the patent search. She's no, no, no. We need to just go to market. I said, mom, <laughs> we're going to put you through the patent search to make sure there's no other patents that have been issued mm-hmm. because I don't want to have a situation where you infringe. Mm-hmm. So very affordable. Literally, it was less than $500. Okay. Like it was, I think 300 or 350, like really cheap put her through, comes back, Amy, someone has her pen. No way. Swear to God. I said, mom, she goes, but it's not out in the market. I said, it doesn't matter. The patent has been issued. This is the inventor. She goes, you ruined it for me. <laughs> All these years I've been hoping for this. And now you give me this piece of paper. You tell me I can't do it. I said, well, mom, you can call the inventor. No, to this day, Amy, Every time I go for dinner with her, she still gets mad at me. I'm like, mom, I helped you. She goes, I had an idea and you took it away from me. (laughs) She should call. Maybe the person will be like, oh, call as a Yeah, ask for what you want. She feels defeated right now. I said, mom, I love you. But this is the hard stuff. Sometimes, Amy, we have to do that due diligence and we can Mm -hmm. come back and say that idea is already taken, but you can maybe revise it. Right. Or I like to look at it as as things happen for me, not to me. So maybe that would have taken her down the wrong path and wasted energy and time Exactly. this part of her life. And maybe it would have been worse having this idea and then have it fail, right? Than to just romanticize about it and see what would happen, you know, in her mind rather than actually seeing it. I think I'm going to send her to you for energy healing. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll fix it right up. (laughs) You guys will be fine in no time. Kedma, it's been such a pleasure talking to you on the podcast. Your book is called Target Funding and mm-hmm. you can get it on your website. Can you get it on Amazon? Yep. It's on Amazon. Yep. All right, Absolutely. cool. And yeah. you have a course, which me and my wife are definitely going to take yeah. when we get home and are settled down in like a month or so. And then I'm on LinkedIn. And here's the thing. I do my best to answer everyone. If you let me know, Hey, I, I heard you on Amy. And if you're brief and to the point, just because, you know, I'm a New Yorker and I, I love my love letters, but I go through it and I'm like, oh, this is too long for me to look at. But if you tell me, I'd be more than happy to help. You know, I do it because I care. Yeah. And I like to say, Amy, that every friend I've ever met was first a stranger. So I don't know who I'm going to meet. And then I do speaking engagements. So if you see me out speaking, please reach out. Hey, I heard you on Amy's podcast. Yeah. Um, I will be happy to just do whatever I can. Cool. And you'll probably be wearing a cape at the time, right? I will definitely be wearing a cape. Don't let us down. (laughs) All right. Visit kedmao.com. That's K-E-D-M-A-O-U-G-H.com. Correct. Kedma, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your resilience and sharing your story. It is incredible, no doubt. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.